This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And today we're extremely fortunate. We have Terry Stark. She is the founder and business strategist with LifePoint Strategies. Terry, thanks so much for taking time. Thank you for having me, Bob. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your business and who you serve. Yeah. So LifePoint Strategies works with business owners who want a business that can run without them. And they either want that because they're almost ready to sell and they want to maximize the value of their business prior to selling, or they want a business that runs without them so that they can focus on the things that really matter to them. Maybe they like to do more strategy work for their business, or potentially they want to get back in the field and do the things that they enjoy doing and the reason why they started the business in the first place. And some of them, quite honestly, just want to play more golf. Yeah, the way I play golf, that wouldn't help much. So <laughs> I spend all my time <laughs> in the field, not playing golf for sure. So for the business owner, he goes, that sounds interesting. So I'm going to try to play the role of the business owner. And so I'm going to ask you some okay. questions. So that sounds intriguing. How do you work? Yeah. So typically, when a business owner calls us, we start by going through what we call the discovery phase. And the discovery phase is where we come into the business and interview some of the key players, definitely the owner and any of the COO or the CFO, those types of people, and then also management team players and some of the key employees. Once we interview them, we'll have a really good feel for the overall business because we take them through what we call a business assessment. Then we'll take a look at their finances, look at their P&Ls, and do a pretty good in-depth financial analysis. After that, we do a leadership assessment to identify any of the gaps that they have in their leaders, maybe communication or abilities to confront issues or resolve issues, those types of things. And then finally, we go through what we call our walkabout. And we just walk around the business and get a feel for the feel of the company and the culture for how people interact with each other and just kind of how the business is run overall. Once we do that phase, the discovery phase, then we move on and we go through the strategy days. And those are two days that are packed with taking the information that we have gotten from the discovery phase and prioritizing what has to be done in order to achieve the financial goals of the owner, as well as the leadership development goals and anything else that needs to be done either to maximize the value of the business or get the business running on its own without the owner. Once we do the strategy days, then we're off to the implementation phase. And in the implementation phase, we do just that. We implement the findings that we have. And typically within one year, we'll achieve our vision of creating a business that runs without the owner. And we've maximized the value of the business. I'm back to being the business owner. So you're going to come in and you're going to go through and basically do a discovery. How long does it take to do a discovery process in my business? Typically, it's going to take two days. And it's not going to be two full days. We'll be interviewing those key individuals for approximately an hour each. And over the course of two days, we'll complete that discovery phase. Okay. And so you're in my business for a couple of days. And then I'm assuming you let me know before you come in whatever documents additionally you might need or records or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. When that happens and you get through the process, and so you've done the discovery phase, 
And then you've got, here's where you are. And you go, based on where you are, what step between where you are and strategy happens? What do you expect from the owner for their input to help you with strategy? What do you expect to see from the owner? So the owner will go through a similar process as the rest of the team members that he has selected for us to interview. So from the owner, we'll interview them. Um, we'll get a good feel for their organization structure, as well as roles and responsibilities of the different individuals in the company. The owner typically gives us, or the CFO will give us copies of the P&Ls so that we can do an analysis of the last typically three years, sometimes five years, if the business or the industry has gone up and down quite a bit. And we'll do the same business assessment with the business owner, as well as a leadership assessment with the owner. So I'm thinking, so I'm on that business owner. I've now had you in. You guys mm -hmm. have fact gathered. All right. Now you're starting to work on the strategy and you go, okay, based on what you said you wanted and based on what you have, now here's the strategy. The owner says, yay, nay, or modify, I'm assuming. It's neither. So we collaborate. Okay. And so we bring together the information that we have. We present our findings and go through it. And then we put the information together into a couple different documents. One, we create a three to five year vision statement based on this information, as well as a one year SMART vision, which again, the acronym SMART, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time oriented. And so that's for the one year. And with the SMART vision, we break it down into four different categories. And so how are we going to achieve our SMART vision in these four different ways? By focusing in on one, money, the finances or the cash flow. Two is going to be the marketing and sales. Three will be leadership development. And then four is process improvement. In your experience, and you've worked with hundreds of business owners through the years, mm -hmm. It, do you see a significant difference between the person that wants more time to play golf or be outside the business versus the person that's selling? Do you see no. much difference? No, we really don't. It's actually very interesting how, I mean, even amongst the you know hundreds of industries that are out there, there's always commonality between them. And even the size, whether we're working with business owner who is around 1 million or 30 million, there's very similar issues that are um, at that are in these businesses. You know, I, I think about from the buyer's eyes, right? If you think about the buyer looking at the company, you go, this business owner can be absent and it runs without him. Mm -hmm. So that's consistent either way from a buyer's eye. Both of those are really good goals uh, for mm -hmm. a business owner. So, mm -hmm. you know, so that's congruent and that's a good thing. And so once you've got the strategy and you've agreed and you've got all this and go, then that's that part, the execution part. Mm -hmm. What action or activity or participation do you guys have with respect to execution? So the implementation phase, again, we collaborate and we decide together what the business owner or the business owner's team wants to execute on and what they prefer us to execute on. Almost always the leadership development piece, they ask us to come in and create that management team that runs on its own. And we implement scorecards. We call them loyalty cards because the goal is for the team to be loyal and for the customers to be loyal. 
And so we established key performance indicators um, for each one of the employees that drive what's the owner's dashboard. And the owner's dashboard, again, so if he is on the beach in the Bahamas, the owner can pull up their dashboard and be able to know that their business is doing well. It's really funny. And so you remember the owner of Wendy's, he used to have what was called the bun report. He knew how Dave Thomas, the owner of Wendy's, used to pull up the bun report. And the bun report would tell him how well each one of the Wendy's stores were doing just based on that bun report. And so same kind of thing with the owner dashboard. We always look at margins. And so the first thing you know that we want to know is other than how are your sales, it's the second question is going to be how are your margins? And so when the business is based out of those margins, then we could create your bun report and you'll be able to know how well your business is doing no matter where you're at. You know, I think you'd have to be really careful with the bun report title if you're on the beach. Totally. (laughs) Just saying. But shifting gears back. um, Please. Please. You know, I think about a business owner that has multi-lines that they're doing. Do you guys drill down into the various profit centers or lines that they have to determine Mm -hmm. which one's more profitable than the other? And so Mm -hmm. the business owner knows the levers to pull? Yes, it's very important that we're focusing in on the correct um, service or products that the business is um, providing. And we know what the margins are for each one of those and we are focusing in on on the ones that provide the highest margins. I'm working with a company right now who is getting ready to sell. And interesting enough, their sales has gone down over the last three years. And the line items that provide the highest margins were or are the line items that they're not focusing on right now. And so it's going to be really fun to be able to show the increase in net profit when we focus in on those line items, those services that provide the highest margins for them. And it's going to be um, a great way to increase the value of their business. You know, in your experience, when you talk to business owners, it's the business owner had a passion to start and maybe they were pretty much everything, CFO, CEO, CEO. I mean, they were everybody. Mm -hmm. And do you find it frequent that the business owner, after your analysis, may go, I really was unaware that this item over here was one of our largest margin items. Are they usually unaware or are they aware? It depends. Most CEOs are unaware because most CEOs are visionaries. And so very rarely um, are CEOs numbers people. And so they typically don't know. They might have a feeling. And so sometimes I think that's what gets in our way is that we kind of have a feeling, but we're distracted by other things that are going on in the business and we don't focus in on those things or we just lose sight of those things. So then when, when we come in, then we, you know, we're very focused on what has to be done. And we know we have a limited amount of time, you know, typically a year to come in and really get things straightened out and keep things focused on increasing those margins and increasing the the net profit. I I think about the quality of decisions that the leadership team makes with that information and without that information. I don't know how they make quality decisions without it. Right, right. No, it's very true. Again, it's typically because the business owner has a good feel, right? Or they think they have a pretty good feel and they've been able to get by by doing it this way. 
unless something drastically changes, then they just keep going with the status quo. I was thinking through the years, you come in and you take this diamond in the rough and you move it down the pipeline till it's polished and pretty. Do you often hear commentary from their lenders of the differences that they see? Um, Not typically the financial institutions. No, we don't communicate with them. But what we do hear are comments from the management team and from the team members. And so that's the interesting dynamic that shifts is that the team members are excited to see us and um, the management team is excited to share with us the progress that they're making. And so it's just kind of like little kids, like they become these excited little kids again, that they're like, oh, you know, I just, you know, they're so excited to, you know, tell you, you know, the progress that they've made. Got the gold stars going. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. It's exciting. You know, it's, I think for many business owners, I mean, I'm a fan, I'm a business owner myself. And you think about they're so busy doing their business that they go, nobody really told me this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they go through and they see that and go, wow. I did this and this came out the other end. And I think they're so excited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a buyer's perspective, you work with companies getting ready to sell. And after you've been in a company and get them pointed and, and going down the road and sorted out, what are you hearing from the buyers when you've been in a company helping them out? Yeah. So, again, the buyers were typically not communicating with, but we're communicating with the sellers. Right. And so we're prepping the company to sell. And so once we get it to that point, then um, we don't talk to the actual buyers of the company because then our role is done. Our goal is to take the business and get it ready and then pass it back to the broker and then they sell it. And so, you know, I was just thinking about the business owner that's not been through your process. Right. And the buyer shows up and go, you know, do you know your margin? No. There's all this disconnect. And then I think about the company that's been through this process where it's all identified, the teams are in place, the CEO or the owner can be offsite and the company still runs. And I think about the behavior of the buyer in those two situations, the buyer that has complete transparency and I can bolt this piece on as opposed to I'm going to have to come in and drill down. Right. So that is what we see is that the owners that we're working with clearly know that, especially now, you know, in the situation with our economy and with COVID, that buyers are more apt to dig deeper into the finances and really want to know what's going on with the business because um, they're a little more cautious right now. They're scared to buy. And so they want to know for sure that they are getting a business that has done its due diligence and that when the buyer purchases it, that there's not going to be anything hidden that's going to jump out at them and they're going to be sorry that they bought that company. And so the owners that we work with know that we know our stuff and that we're able to get their business ready to sell and that they won't have any fears that a potential buyer will go in and look at their P&L and they'll know that things have been done properly. No surprises. No surprises. I think in the selling world, if you're a business owner, a surprise is a bad idea, particularly when discovered by a potential buyer. Thinking back a little bit, so I'm that business owner again and you've come in and let's say that I don't have my team fully assembled. I don't have a CEO. I don't have a CFO. You know, I don't have those people in place. What does that look like as you start trying to identify key players and trying to get them on board? What does that look like? Well, it depends. And so there are times when we help the business owners hire a CFO or a COO. 
Um, typically, the owner is the CEO. And so that position stays in place. And there are other times when we help hire complete sales teams. And so one example, we're working with a construction company and the owner was responsible for 80% of all the sales. And he wanted to sell his business. And so what happened is we helped them to hire a complete sales team and the director of sales um, then became the face of the company. And then the owner is now able to come and go and the business runs without him. And it was one of those wonderful situations where they had no management team in place. So we were able to bring together a management team and train them on how to lead the company without the business owner, how to run effective meetings that were are results-oriented so that people would come to the meetings prepared with what they had accomplished in the last week. And they were able to resolve issues right then and there without letting them fester. And the business runs really well without the business owner. And now, does that business owner also have his version of the bun report? Yes. I'm now stuck with the bun report forever. He does. So the really cool thing about this business is that they have an online dashboard and they use a software application called Smartsheets. And so we were able to, of course, because they do construction pretty much worldwide, mainly in the United States. So he's and anybody on their team can bring up their version of the BUN report and be able to see where their projects are and how they're doing. I think that's, you know, it's like a, like the dashboard of your car, you yeah. know, and, and you can look at that and you go, there's a red light on over here. And I think about the ability to take and go, everything else is fine. I need to see this as an anomaly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And so that's how you do program the dashboards is so that, you know, whether you're using a simple Excel spreadsheet or smart sheets or anything else that your organization uses, then um, you can program it so that when you're in the red, you're in the red and the owner can see that right off the bat. Yeah. Better early warning than figure out that you've blown the motor and right. didn't know. Thinking about the folks that are listening and go like, so what size companies do you typically work with? Yeah, typically it's between one and 30 million. And so it can be, you know, 100 employees or less typically is what we work with. But some of them could have, you know, 200 employees and it can be, you know, as small as 10 employees. Do you guys specialize in any particular industry? I really love blue collar. They're just really hard workers. And whether it's plumbing and heating, those types of things, or right now we're working with two Ace Hardware stores. So they're retailers and they're still kind of that same grain though. They're hardworking, amazing people that just, you know, roll up their sleeves. I've worked with Ace Hardware stores for the last like five years on and off. And so I've done some retreats with the Rocky Mountain Ace stores. It's a regional marketing co-op, as well as done change management training for them. I'm working with two of the stores right now, working on inventory control, management, increasing sales, those types of things. And I tell you, um, you can't find a harder working group of people than those guys and gals at Ace Hardware stores. Well, I was in the Ace yesterday, and I can tell yeah. you the one Rainbird sprinkler head that I required, they're yeah. now out of because I bought the last one. 
Yeah. I mean, and, I love going in there. that never yeah. happens. No. I mean, Ace Hardware, they always have what you need, right? Always. They have what I needed. Now, the person behind me, if he wanted it, he's out of luck. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I think about, we sort of take Ace Hardware store folks, I think a bit for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about inventory time for them. I would hate being them to do a physical inventory. Who counts the nuts and bolts? Whoever you're mad at. I know. It's just nuts. So, you know. Yeah, they do. So you work with those folks. You've also worked with some other companies as well. So you talked about the construction space. So for the construction company that you worked with, what was the problem that they brought you in for the one that you solved? Yes. So they brought me in because the owner wanted to retire and potentially sell. And so I came in and worked with them and again, created that management team, created the dashboard. And they had been tracking their projects, of course, I mean, they do project management. And so we simply tweaked it so that he would have an owner's dashboard as well, so that when he was gone, but creating that autonomy of the team, because again, the company relied on him for 80% of the sales. That's actually scary. Yeah. So he had been in the industry and is in the industry for a long time and really was the face of the company, traveled all the time. So that was the other really big deal for him is not having to travel as much anymore. And the point was to take and get them from where they were, where it was sole dependency. He was the business, which is, you know, I don't know what a multiple for a business when you are the business, it can't be much. And so you've Mm -hmm. now got him where he's not key anymore. Right. Exactly. What do you think the multiple expansion was between when he was 80% of the business and now that he's not? Yeah, that is a really good question. And so I wasn't involved in any kind of sellability report. But typically speaking, if the owner or this company is dependent on the owner, it's a very low multiplier. And so it can be as low, depending on the other factors. That's not the only factor. And so there's typically seven key factors that you're looking at when selling a business. And that's just one of those seven. But if it's dependent on the owner, I mean, you could have as low as two for your multiplier. And then you could increase it up to potentially for your multiplier. The one thing that you were commenting on but you know, while we were talking before the episode is that you try to take and you have your own metric or multiplier that you try to take and bring to the company. And you go, this is what we have as our fee, but here's the value that we try to drive. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, in, in selling, it's even greater than... So typically speaking, when we go into a business and if they, quote, just want the business to run without them, we always go in and determine what value will bring the financial value that we bring to the company and provide three to 10 times that value. So if they invest in our company coming in, then we'll provide three to 10 times within the first year of that investment. Now, when you're selling, it's a much higher multiplier than that. Much higher. Yeah. One business that we're working with right now, you know, they want to go from 1.2. Their goal is to go up to 2 million working with us. And realistically, I mean, they'll probably go up to about 1.4, 1.5. But still, the multiplier on that is astronomical in the investment that they're working with us. I think there's always that challenge. The business owner will go, budget's already tight. We're a lean run machine and this, that, and the other. And your fee is X. And I think people get wrapped around the axle and they go, yeah, but do you know what we can do on the value driver for your business? How much we can move your value? And I think sometimes people get lost in that mental gymnastics until they start finally looking and go, if we can take you from here, 
and you can sell over here. Here's the increase in multiple, and here's where your multiple is when you started. Subtract our fee from those two numbers and see what your return on investment was. When I'm visiting with business owners or potential clients, they always see it right away. And so typically speaking, I don't have that issue with the clients that I'm working with. They see it and I clearly communicate that this is what we see that we can do for your company. And they're typically wonderful about it. Off and on. And for me, I've been involved in the exit side of the house in a very narrow area. And so I get to talk to business owners all the time, like I get to mm-hmm. talk to you, which is a privilege. And I think about preconceived notions. And I also happen to think about how many baby boomer owned businesses are out there. Yes. And to be honest with you, I think about that often right now. And I think about, you know, having to go through 2008, having to go through 9-11, having to go through now COVID-19 and just the many things that they've had to go through as business owners. And I do wonder, to be honest with you, I do wonder how many baby boomers are thinking, okay, I'm done. Now is the time for me to sell. I'm ready now. I'm kind of tired of going through all of the ups and downs and I'm ready to sell. And honestly, I just want to say to them, do, then do, right? A business owner that we've been working with that is selling said to me this week, I wish I would have sold two years ago. And so think about that today. Think, oh, You could sell. And of course, I would love to work with you to increase the value of your business so that you could sell in a year. And, you know, of course, hindsight is 2020, but we can start preparing it now. And you'll know that in a year, you can be done. I call it done, done. Done, Yeah, the check is cleared. We're done. Right. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we're like, oh, I'm done with business. I can't do it anymore. But we're not done, done. Right. I think about the business owner, things were going pretty good in 06, 07, and 08, right? And then they get hammered in the 08, 09 timeframe and they yeah. go, can't sell now. And so nope. I'm going to spend the next three to five years. Now I'm back to where I was, go, things are so good yep. that I'm going to take rioting it. And you can't run fast enough when it tilts over. Right. So for you the can. business, yeah. you can't. Again, hindsight. So I would encourage, and I think that, you know, we do need a solid year and you're going to be so ready to sell. So it's a good time. It's a great time to sell. And I think about the business owner that's going, I should have sold, right? Mm-hmm. You go, okay, but you did. And mm-hmm. so let's go through the process and said your business will be stronger. You'll be more flexible. It'll have a good value or a good discipline behind it. So even if times are tough, your business will stand out from your competitors that aren't doing this. Right. So for value creation in the business to get it ready for sale, that's just good business anyways. It's smart business. And I think those are the things that, and of course, you know, baby boomers come from that generation that are just such hard, dedicated, loyal workers that in order to do your due diligence for your business, um, now is the time to do that so that you can sell at a great value for your business or potentially even if you want to leave a legacy, we can create the business to run without you and pass it down to a family member or do something along those lines. Yeah, which comes right back into your discovery process. Right. What is it that you're looking for and then design your business to what you're looking to do. Right. Um, So we've talked a lot about what you do. You also have a passion project, I think, legacy Mm -hmm. leaders that you pursue. 
Talk a little bit about what you're doing in the community with legacy leaders. Right. So just like I was saying, you know, there's so many business owners that want to leave a legacy. And I can't tell you how many people I talk to that say, I would love to be able to mentor another business owner because I've gone through so much. I have so many experiences and I want to be able to pass that information down to another business owner. And so I started a group called Legacy Leaders. And right now, of course, we're meeting online. And we mentor each other. And it's an environment where you can meet outside of the group and mentor another business owner. And we do trainings together. So we're actually even growing and learning together as we meet. And so it's definitely a win-win environment. But the goal is to reach out to business owners that are, quote, younger than you are and be able to mentor them and be able to pass down what you've learned as a result of running your business. You know, it's part of the mission for the podcast here is, you know, I think about all the wisdom that you have between your ears from all the years of doing what you do. Mm -hmm. And if something happened to you tomorrow, everything that you know, by and large, goes with you. Mm-hmm. And just go, how do we memorialize that skill set? And so right. part of the thing that we try to do in the podcast is capture bits and pieces of that wisdom that you've paid so much tuition for for all of these years going right. forward. So with you, you know, thinking back, well, before we go there, for the folks that want to find you on social media, how do they find you? So, yeah, you can just go on LinkedIn and you can search Terry Stark. And I am on LinkedIn and definitely hit me up or just shoot me an email, right? Just shoot me an email at terry at lifepoint.co and I'll reach back out to you. And it's T-E-R-R-I, correct? Mm-hmm. And Stark is S-T-A-R-C-K. Yep, it is. Yep, because I would do like Stark Florida and I'd get it wrong. But that part, and you've been kind enough to share part of your workbook process, which is yep. nice. Thank you so much. In closing, what advice might you share with those business owners out there right now that are perhaps either on the fence about whether they're going to stay in a business or sell it, or they're trying to make a decision as to whether to bring you on board or not? What advice might you offer them? So I think the first thing that I would want them to be very clear on is what is their vision? And so what is their definition of success? both a successful business and an ideal life. And once you're clear on what that looks like and how you can start living it today, then you'll know whether it's worth it to bring someone like me on. And so if you're at that stage of life where you're ready to sell your business or whether you are ready to be able to come and go and the business continues to earn you money, You know, being really clear on your vision for where you want to go this year, as well as the next three to 10 years. I mean, that's the first thing that you need to know. You've got to know where you want to go and be ready to commit to doing that. Well, Terry, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so (laughs) much for taking your time. And for you folks out there, you know, the biggest mistake I think you can make is if you don't really know. It's really inexpensive to take and reach out with an email or a phone call and reach out to Terry and say, this is what I'm thinking and have that discussion and figure out what your next steps might be. And so you can get your hands wrapped around it. And so I think Terry could take and serve you very well. 
and get things going forward. And she's worked with so many companies for so many years. So she is a wealth of skill sets and knowledge. So Terry, thanks again for being thanks, on the Bob. episode. You bet. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you. You bet.